Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. So we started uh, last week uh, on our series, uh, Growing Room, yeah? So you've all been reading the Psalms. How have you been getting on? Are you enjoying it? Wow, that's a ripple. The front row's okay. Work with these guys here. (laughs) We've talked about how the Psalms uh, give us uh, language. They give us a bigger picture of who God is. So I would encourage you, five Psalms a day is what we're trying to do. Uh, So basically we read the whole uh, book of Psalms this month. So it's going to give you language, give you a bigger understanding of who God is, and increase your prayer life. And today, this gentleman is going to speak. I won't steal his thunder, but uh, Chris is going to take us on the next stage of looking into the Psalms. Should we pray for him? Father, we bless Chris. We bless what he's brought to us today. And Father, we just pray, God, our hearts will be good soil. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Um, yeah, I've actually cheated a little bit with that psalm thing, so I've been off for half term this week, so I've been reading like 10 a day, because I know that when I go back to school tomorrow, I probably won't read any, um, so I'm ahead on that one. Um, before I do start talking this morning, I need to confess that I'm actually really not a fan of psalms, uh, so I find myself in a little awkward position today. <laughs> I hear some hissing, it's not panto season yet, um, but... The- <laughs> debatable i am what the book of psalms is in a nutshell is uh, a book of songs that are full of emotions a book full of songs which are full of emotions now if you came up to me after the service today and said chris i have bought you a present because it's my birthday today i have bought you a present so i'm expecting presents okay i have bought you a present chris and you say to me i have bought you a book of songs that are full of emotions I would quote our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and I would say to you, get behind me, Satan. Because I do not want a book that is full of songs that are full of emotions for my birthday because that is not a present that I would enjoy. But I need to reassure you that I take the book of Psalms seriously and I I will do that for two reasons this morning. I'll take it seriously. The first reason um, is that we get the word Bible um, from the Latin word Biblia, uh, which is sort of the shortened version of Biblia tech, uh, which for those of you who speak Spanish means? Library. library. Okay, so the Bible is like a library. Uh, it's full of different types of books. And if you go to any library, uh, there's an average one in Birmingham. If you go to any library, if you go to any library, you'll realise that there are loads of different types of books that are in that library. There's a little something for everyone. You've got, uh, you've got history books, you've got fiction books, you've got non-fiction books, you've got kids books, you've got autobiography, you've got science fiction books, you've even got adult books in libraries nowadays. And if you were to look in the Bible, you would see that you've got a whole different types of books as well. You've got prophetic books, you've got poetic books, you've got history books, you've got biography books, you've got letters, you've even got an adult book in the Bible, Okay. And, uh, and so there's a little something for everyone. And I recognise that Psalms is not really a book for me. It's not a book that I would really go to. But I recognise that it may well be a book for some of you guys out there. So I'll take it seriously for that reason. I'll also take it seriously for this reason. That Psalms, uh, whilst it is a book that is full of songs, that is full of emotions, uh, is, also, is also an open and honest reflection on life. Okay, the people who wrote it, they, they poured their heart and soul out into the Psalms when they wrote it. It was based on their their life situations, and they were open and honest about it. And I really think that while I may not be good at this, I think if we were to get to grips with being open and honest with one another, 
about our struggles. And if we were to do that from a place of love for God and respect for one another, I think that our experience of life and life itself would be a whole lot better. Like I said, I'm no good at that, but I think if we were to get to grips with that and, uh, and, and take something from the Psalms and implement that in our lives, um, then our lives would be a whole lot better. Um, so over those, those are the reasons why I'm going to take this seriously, and I'm not just going to bash emotional songs this morning, okay? Um, we're looking over the next few weeks at a load of different themes that crop up in Psalms. This morning, we're talking about trust. Uh, I'm not sure what else is coming. There's one about lamenting, isn't there? I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That's basically moaning. So some of you will really enjoy that week. Uh, so come along and have a good moan. Um, but the, the word theme trust this morning, the, depending on your translation of the Bible, the word trust uh, is mentioned about 135 times, depending on translation. In the book of Psalms, it's mentioned about 50 times. Uh, these are some verses that talk about trust within the psalms um so you've got 150 psalms in your bible 50 of them talk about psalms do some quick maths for you that's about one in three psalms that talk about trust so it's an incredibly important theme that runs throughout the book of psalms i want to start um by saying that if you don't trust jesus 100 percent in every area of your life you've got growing room in your life somewhere. If you don't trust Jesus 100% in every single area of your life, you have room to grow. Um, trustworthiness and reliability are sort of two things that I, I really value quite highly. Like they're, they're really important. Amy's nodding. Uh, they're really important on my list of things that I look for in, in people and in possessions. So I like something that if it's got a job to do, uh, I, I like it to be able to do that job. I like someone who, if they say they're going to be somewhere at a certain time, I, I really value them when they turn up at that certain place at that certain time, which is why I value timekeeping. Those of you who know me know I'm good with timekeeping. Um, so this is the sort of, sort of thing I look for. Um, some of you will remember the first love of my life and to date the, the longest running relationship that I've had during the course of my life. Uh, there she is. <laughs> This is, this is my first car. Um, she, was, she was, for a long time, she was the absolute epitome and the very definition of trustworthiness and reliability. I bought her for £100 back in 2011. I've had some incredible memories with her. Uh, this is on a, a camping trip that we took my nurture group to and I actually gave some of them their first driving lesson around the field. Some of them I never want to get in their car ever again. Even if they do pass their licence, I will never get in the car with them driving. Um, actually managed to fit all ten of them in there at one point. I didn't drive it at that bit, but we sort of managed to fit them all in there. I've run a, won a race to Wales in it from here. Um, I've rehomed a pigeon in that thing. Um, and I used to play bumper cars. My friend Nate used to have a micro as well. And we, we always used to play bumper cars whenever we saw each other driving around. Um, she treated me so well, in fact. She treated me like a princess. So I gave her the nickname of the princess. So if you ever hear me refer to the princess, I'm not talking about my wife. I'm talking about my first car. Okay? <laughs> Whilst Amy may be a princess, this is my princess. Okay? Um, what... I loved most about her, though, right? She, she was great. Um, she was cheap, she was reliable, she was trustworthy, but the best thing about her was the parking, right? She was the most trustworthy thing I have ever had. If there was a gap, I would trust her to get in. This is in Portsmouth. I'm going to give you a little geography lesson about Portsmouth now. Portsmouth is an island. 
Okay, a lot of people call me crazy when I tell them that, but no, I've lived there 19 years, I know what I'm talking about. If you Google it, uh, you can go onto maps and you will see that there is a circle of blue around it. Blue is water, therefore Portsmouth is an island. It's a very um, densely populated city. Uh, so there's, I think it's about 200,000 people or so live in quite a small area, meaning parking is at an absolute premium. Um, and so when you see gaps like this, you learn to take them very quickly. You don't learn to drive past them and look for somewhere else because there probably won't be somewhere else. Um, my favourite bit of parking that I ever did in The Princess, though, was this one. Um, that Land Rover was parked like that. And uh, this is at Westwood Cross. And uh, there was a queue of cars. There was at least two or three. This was on a really busy bank holiday. And there was at least two or three other cars that, uh, that tried to reverse into that gap. And, uh, and I saw them try, I saw them fail, I saw them drive off, and, and then I said, hold on, lads, you watch this. And then I pulled up, I just spun right round like one-handed, and I was back in the space and straight to Jaquito's. <laughs> it's, um, she was incredibly trustworthy when it came to parking. I never doubted for a second that she would be able to fit in that gap, and I was proved right. Um, then she tried to kill me. Once, the princess. I, um, I, I was, I'd just been out to Tesco, I'd been filled up, and I was going to, to uh, TEC, to one of the youth groups back there in the old building. I was coming along the Thanet Way, I was doing about 40, uh, and she just cut out. Like, everything just stopped. I, I lost electricity, I lost power steering, I lost my brakes, and when you're doing about 40 on the Thanet Way, that's not a position you want to be in. I'm not even sure how I managed to survive. It's all a bit of a blur, but I sort of managed to come to a handbrake stop, I just managed to turn into Church Street, um, and then come to a skid. Um, and after that, our relationship kind of went downhill a little bit. I mean, I remember her fondly, but there, there were a few years where I wasn't so fond of her. Um, and she was a bit ashamed of trying to kill me, so every so often she just wouldn't start when I needed her to. Um, I, I remember one time I had to call Christine Gibson. Uh, do you remember that? Because she wouldn't start. I needed to get to work. I thought, who lives near me and might be free? Christine left her shopping in Sainsbury's and came and gave me a lift to work. Saint, absolute saint. Um, and I confess that I actually punched her once. Not Christine. <laughs> Not Christine. No, no. The... I punched her. She wouldn't start. I needed to get somewhere. I just let loose on the steering wheel. The horn went off. A few people looked and I was like, it's not what it looks like. Um, and, uh, and it was a very, very sad end to the life of the princess. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I really do. I really do. She lived out her last few months on, um, on my in-law's driveway. And then um, I actually found a, a charity that if you've got an old car kicking around, you can donate them to this charity and they'll come and pick it up. Uh, she was sold for scraps. I don't know how much she got in the end, but the money went to the charity. And I have a new car now, um, which I'm not as fond of yet. But we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, I want to ask a question based on, on all of that. For a long time, she was trustworthy and reliable. Then she suddenly stopped being trustworthy and reliable. If there was a car that was 100% trustworthy, 100% reliable, 100% of the time, wouldn't everybody drive it? A car that you know is never going to fail you, it's never going to let you down, it's always going to do what it needs to do, it's always going to get you from A to B. If there was a way to live your life that was 100% reliable, 100% trustworthy. Surely everyone would live like that, right? And this then presents us Christians with a problem. 
That is because we claim that, that Jesus is 100% reliable, 100% trustworthy. He's never going to let you down. All of the time he, he will do what he says he will do. But that gives us a problem because there's only 2.5 billion of us on the planet, which means there's another 6 billion, 4 billion, do my maths, Chris, 5 billion people on the planet that aren't Christians, that trust in something else, that live their life a different way. So either Jesus isn't 100% reliable, 100% trustworthy, or there's another reason why people don't choose to trust him. When Top Gear used to be good back in the day, back in the Clarks and the era, um, when they used to be good, they never recommended you a car based on how reliable it was or how trustworthy it was. They always recommended you a car based on how quickly it went round their track, how good looking it was, how much fun it was to drive, how much of a, a wheel spin skid that Clarkson could do off the line, okay? If there was a car that was 100% reliable, 100% trustworthy, I don't think everyone would drive it. I'd certainly drive it. <laughs> I love things that are trustworthy and reliable, but I don't think everyone would drive it because there are quicker cars out there. There are much more fun cars to drive out there. There are sexier cars in the world. People would want that rather than reliability um, because too many people out there, they, they prefer to have things that are much more attractive than they are reliable, that are much more fun than they are trustworthy. So I, I want to say this morning that I fully believe in Jesus to be 100% reliable, 100% trustworthy, but I also am well aware that there are much more attractive ways to live to some people out there. I choose to live my life knowing that Jesus is 100% trustworthy and 100% reliable, um, but other people don't know that yet. And so that presents us with a bit of a problem because we go around claiming it, but then there are these other things that are just too, too, more, too appealing to some other people. Sometimes when I talk about my faith, um, people ask me, do I go to church on Sundays? And I say, yeah, yeah, I go to church on Sundays. And they say, oh, do you go every Sunday? And I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah, you know, 95 times out of 100, I'll be at church on a Sunday morning. Um, and that, that is seen as a cost, like giving up a Sunday morning. And that's quite a big thing if you work full time during the week and you've got kids and what have you, getting up another day of the week. That is too much of a cost for some people to say, no, I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to have to do these things to be a Christian. I, I'd rather stay in bed because that's more appealing. That's more attractive. Um, Jesus spoke about counting the cost. He, he said it's a bit like someone who's, who's building a house, uh, that if you... If you're going to build a house, you want to count the cost. You want to count how much the uh, materials are going to cost, how much the labour's going to cost before you start building it. Because otherwise, you're going to get halfway through and you're going to realise that you're going to run out of money and you're going to look stupid and everyone's going to laugh at you. And he says that when you follow Jesus, you need to count the cost first because there's a cost involved. I lost a lot of friends when I became a Christian. There's a lot of people who didn't understand why I changed, why I started going to church on a Sunday morning, when I started doing things... Uh, with a different group of people instead of what I'd always done. They didn't like that, so I lost a lot. That cost me. But I want to tell you that the cost of following Jesus is nothing compared to the reward. The cost is too much for some, but what you get in return for that cost is priceless. Money can't buy trust. Money can't buy reliability. But Jesus has that to offer in abundance. So if you've not put your trust in Jesus and decided to live in him, uh, can I encourage you to take him for a test drive? Might turn out to be the most reliable, trustworthy thing you have ever had in your life. When I was a kid, I, um, I used to play darts quite a lot. 
I had one up in my um, up in my room. Uh, you can ask my parents. There, were, there was a whole load of holes in the wall by the time I moved out. That's just practice, right? I'm a lot better now. Um, I borrowed this off Pete this week. You can see it's um, it's quite a clean dartboard. I have put some holes in it because uh, I've been practicing a lot this week. So I want to show off to you this morning, don't I? Um, I once got a 180 as well. For those of you who don't know darts, that's hitting this thing three times in a row. That's the treble 20. It's the top score you can get with any three arrows. I'm going to give myself three arrows this morning. Three arrows. And I'm going to hit the bullseye this morning. Trust me when I say this. I'm quite good, right? I used to play a lot. I've been practicing a lot this week. I want to take a show of hands. Who thinks I can do that? Who, who trusts in my darting ability that I will be able to hit the bullseye with one of these three darts? I want to see, see hands, see some hands, lovely. Keep the hands up, keep the hands up. Just for, um, yeah, I, I'd bet on myself to do this, okay? Keep the hands up, keep the hands up, keep the hands up, because I want to take, ask another question. Who would trust, out of you guys with your hands up, uh, who trusts me enough to come up here and hold that for me while I throw the darts? <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of hands have gone down there, funnily enough. <laughs> not, not just yet. One more question, one more question. Out of you who have still got your hands up, who would trust me enough to come up here and hold it in front of their body like this while I throw darts at you? Jonas, your hand come up. Come up here, Jonas. Come on up. We'd better do it over here, actually, because um, we've got some stuff in the background. Oh, that's lovely. That is, there's a picture. Right. I'm going to stand about seven foot away because that is about the, uh, about the measurement. <laughs> Some people aren't watching. <laughs> Safety first. Can you see all right over here? Everyone got a good view. Right. I'm going to need silence, please. That's not silence. I feel like I'm teaching. <laughs> Shaking a little bit, Jonas. I'm not actually going to do it, don't worry. I'm not, I'm not stupid, so I'm not stupid. Thank you, Jonas. You, you've proved yourself well there. You've proved yourself very well, right. Pop that there. I'm not an absolute idiot, <laughs> honestly, honestly. Uh, but I probably could have done it, right? I reckon I could have done it. The point is this, the point is this. Some people claim to trust God, right? When I asked who thinks... Who, who trusts my darting ability? There was quite a few people that put your hand up. There's probably about half the room or so that put their hand up. When, when it got a bit more real, and, and I asked you to kind of put yourself on the line a little bit, there, there was a lot of people that put their hands down. When I asked, actually, you know, would you really just hold it and, and really trust me? Um, that's when there, there, was about, there was about five or six people, which was much better than I hoped for. But only one actually came up and stood and held it, right? Sometimes we claim that we trust Jesus. And then sometimes things get a little bit tricky and sometimes things get uh, a little bit hard and we think, actually, no, I'm all right. You see, what, what trust is, is exactly what Jonas demonstrated. It's just to come and stand, even, even when the enemy is throwing fiery arrows and darts, good little link that, isn't it, at you, you stand firm and you say, no, I, I, I trust in Jesus. I, I loved what some of the guys said um, in the video we watched earlier, that, that despite all this persecution, they trust that forgiveness is the right way. They're not organising a fight back. They're not organising anything like that. They're just saying, no, you've stolen my daughter, but I'm going to trust Jesus, that forgiveness is the right way. And, that, and that's what it's like just to stand there and have someone throw arrows at you, but say, no, despite all that, I trust in Jesus. 
says in Psalms 37 verse 5 to commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust in him and he will help you. It's that trust in God that, that really brings uh, life and all its fullness. It doesn't say it brings, brings perfect life. He just says it brings trust in all its fullness. Um, first time I went to Africa, um, I, there's a... Amy told me the other day I'm getting better with age, but uh, this, this is 10 years ago. 10 years ago, me. I was 19 then. Um, yeah, I got to go bungee jumping. Uh, we, we were in Zambia. And uh, we, we travelled around sort of on our last weekends. Uh, they said to us, did we want to go bungee jumping over the Zambezi right next to Victoria Falls? I said, yes. <laughs> well, why would I not? That sounds fantastic. Um, it's about a 100 metre drop, I think. Uh, I can't really remember. I was, I was a bit preoccupied with screaming at the time. Um, but when you go bungee jumping, you are literally putting your life in the hands of this rope. Okay? Ropes don't have hands. Um, you're literally putting your hands in the mirror. No, literally putting your life in metaphorical hands of a rope, okay? Um, So you want some reassurances. So I'm stood on the edge of this bridge, um, and I've got my ankles tied together. They put this harness on, and then they put sort of some towels around it that look like someone's just got out the bath with and whacked them around your your legs. Um, And I'm looking at this rope trailing behind me, and I'm making sure it's connected to the bridge. Um, And it's it's a really big, thick elastic band basically it's probably about the size of my leg so it's it's looking good so far have you ever seen an elastic band um that's like really quite old a bit worn a little bit frayed around the edges got bits of elastic flying out that's what this thing looked like (laughs) so i'm looking at this i'm looking at the guy who's about to push me and i'm saying is this safe is this all right and he says okay Not quite understood me, have you, mate? Um, But, uh, I mean, anyway, I I jumped and I'm fine. uh, So the the rope proved to be trustworthy in the end. Um, The rope may have been frayed. It it may have looked like it shouldn't have worked. All all logic was telling me that that's probably not the best rope to jump with. Um, But it it turned out to be all right. It, It may have been a leap of faith. Uh, for me but that rope actually was tried and tested other people had gone before me other people had used that rope and they were fine it was tried and it was tested I want to tell you this morning that um, the placing your life in Jesus's hands and living a life trusting him it may not be the most attractive way to live it may not be the fastest car around the track You may have to give up your Sunday mornings, but it's tried and it's tested. Since Jesus Christ walked this planet, there's uh, there's been about 7 billion followers of Christ. I don't know how they work that out. That's just the latest stat that Google tells me. 7 billion people have decided to put their life in the hands of Jesus Christ. That's the entire world's population right now over the last 2,000 years. Uh, There are people in in this church, there there are people I know who who are well into their 90s who have trusted Jesus all their life. They've got fantastic stories. One of the biggest things in my life that I trust Jesus with is my purpose. Before I was a Christian, I didn't know what I was doing. When I put my life in Jesus' hands, he, he just gave me purpose. He gave me passion. And I trust that. There's no way I'd be teaching now if it wasn't for him calling me to do that. I used to hate school. I used to hate my teachers. Um, but God does amazing things when you decide to trust in him. Placing your life in Jesus' hands 
is tried and it is tested. It says in Psalm 20, verse 7, um, that some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Back in those days, uh, chariots and horses were, were the height of military power. Uh, if you had chariots and horses in your armies, that, that's what was going to win you the war. That's what was going to make you successful. And, and David, who wrote that psalm, is saying, I'm not going to trust in those things. I'm going to decide to trust in God. And he is gonna, he's going to win things for me. He's going to make me successful. Shall we stand together as we close? We've got five minutes. We'll pray and see what God wants to do. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.